0: And welcome. I'm Pratham Ball.
1: And I'm Anna Snow. And this is the series finale of The Greenhouse. So stay tuned for one last half hour of all things Planet Earth.
0: We've been through four semesters. That's two years. Wow. Close to 40 episodes. Mm-hmm. So today, we're not going to talk about anything new. We're going to embrace. We're going to celebrate everything we did. And for the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to Talk about all the good news that we covered, the environmental progress that we saw some since we started. News,
1: some good things we want to remind you, things we enjoyed talking about, enjoyed researching. Um, of course, some good news, like he just said, some evergreen things we'd like you to continue thinking about, even when you might not be listening to the show anymore. Just a nice little um, little nostalgia, little recap of the past two years of this show.
0: Exactly, and some a the when we started this show and when we met, we actually met. Um, this, I was looking at my calendar, December 9th. 2021
1: i think we had met before that was that when we first met to talk about this show yes because you had come to a production meeting or two or a few production meetings the semester prior because i remember uh nick sanchez shout out nick was the uh, news director at the time he was a critical
0: person in making this show if
1: you don't know the way this show came about he in the news channel threw out the idea Hey, we have a few different topics that we're interested in people starting shows in. I believe one of them was entertainment, like movies and TV. I think
0: a weather one. A weather one, I believe,
1: and the environmental one. And I DM'd him very quickly and was like, Hey, I'd love the environmental one. And he said, Do you have anyone in mind? And I said, No, I, I. don't really. I can't really think of anyone that I would want to ask, so just pair me up with the next person who DMs you. Uh-huh. And not it too happened soon, to be me, me? Yeah, not too long after that. Uh, I guess you had DM'd him. And I was like, oh, yeah, Pratham. I was like, I've met him in the production meetings. I don't think we had spoken very much or interacted, but not I recognized much. your name from coming yeah. to a few of those meetings.
0: And that's the power of... Uh, Nick Sanchez. No. <laughs> Nick Sanchez and Blaze. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh,
0: so let's get right to it. We have a lot of stuff to yes, talk about and a lot of stuff to reminisce. Um, first thing, we're going to just... A quick minute, our climate minute, as we our call climb it. Climate minute. I wish we had thought
1: of that sooner.
0: Um, it's again about the COP twenty eight. Um, if you remember, this is something that we talked about last week. It has to do with the a big climate meeting in Dubai. Yes.
1: Um,
0: this is all happening. So the world's best sustainable leaders are meeting right now, and there was a big announcement made by the United UN World Meteorological Association. They said in a press release last week. While Quote, while 2023 is not yet over, a provisional report from the UN World Meteorological Organization confirmed that it is set to be the warmest on record. That's
1: what I was thinking, because I remember when we talked about this last week, I said, I really want to see this data when 2023 is over, because I think we said 21 was the... 22 was bad, but
0: 23, when you think about Phoenix in the summer months. I was going
1: to say, I think 23 is going to top it um, when we see the end of the year numbers, and... Clearly, they already think it's going to, and it's not even the end of the year yet.
0: Exactly. And the global temperature preliminary that they had is up 1.4 degrees Celsius from pre-industrial levels. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason that's not a good thing is because this groundbreaking Paris Climate Accord had a 1.5 degree (laughs) Celsius (laughs) benchmark. So we're really close. We're pushing it. Exactly. And so just something to... uh, Think about it and see if anything gets done. Um, two more things that I wanted mm-hmm. to discuss really quickly as we're going yeah, above the climate. Um, we've talked about how p- countries sometimes throw money at the solution. Yes. Apparently, in COP15, which is back in 2009, wow. Um, some developed countries promised to throw a hundred million dollars each year mm-hmm. to help out. Yes. Um, so just thought that was an interesting thing. And the last thing that I think encapsulates this whole show into w- one sentence is that every made every agreement made here at this COP twenty eight is non binding. Which means as I'm gonna quote the Associated Press on this. Please do. It means countries can agree to something and then not follow through. They don't they're not entitled to anything. So
1: We've this conspiracy
0: <laughs> theory that we have.
1: <laughs> our, our theory where we say, is this actually going to happen or is this just the government saying stuff to get gain public favor or to get reelected or to this or that? Sounds like we've been right this whole time. Yeah,
0: non-binding. And stuff has gotten done. And that's what we want to talk course, about for the course. rest of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, all the good stuff that has happened yes. uh, that we've been able to witness. Um, we know when we were... When I was crafting this episode, you know, yes. just thinking all the things from season one. Yeah, I know. That we talked it's about. It's so
1: interesting. And, and I think when I was going into this and I was trying to find topics, although, of course, if you were listening to Back from the Dead before this, I was having trouble because I was doing it on my phone because <laughs> my laptop's broken. Um, I wanted to make sure that I left off with messages of hope, but also things you can do. Here are some solutions, some small changes you can make in your everyday life, Um to make you feel better and to know that you are doing something impactful. And of course, no human is perfect. No one is going to be 100% sustainable with every single decision that they make. But if we can present a bit of hope and a few small changes or things you can think about, then that's what we'd like to leave off this show with.
0: Exactly, and so that's what we're gonna do for one final time. Yes. So this all started, Anna, by talking about the Colorado River. Of
1: course it did. So we have talked a lot about Arizona and our droughts and our water problems. And a lot of Arizona's water comes from the Colorado River, of course.
0: Exactly. And a big, not just Arizona's power powered by but a lot of the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And the way everyone is able to keep things civil is this Colorado River agreement that exists. Well, that is set to expire in 2026. So there are active negotiations going on right now. And is going to really determine the future of the river, especially among water cuts. Mm-hmm. So that is something that, as soon as this sh- after the show ends, to keep your eye out on. Yes. Um. See who has the more who has more power. There's big debates about who deserves the most water cuts, and there's a lot of stuff with seniority. It it goes back to this historical thing. It's going to be a lot of who's left out. Uh, so it's an ongoing negotiation. That the White House has stepped in, but the state of Arizona is facing. You know, good news in terms of because as these negotiations go on, for the year 2024, Arizona has been demoted, as you could say, but yes. in a positive way, to a Tier 1 water shortage. Yes. They used to be in a Tier 2 water shortage. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that's important, that means they only have to cut 18% of their water allocation for next year. They were previously slated to cut 21%.
1: And that's interesting, and, and that stuff can happen really quickly, the, the demotion from Tier um Two to tier one and stuff like that because we had one of the rainiest um, springs and winters this past year, and I definitely felt that with my allergies being much worse. Yes. Um. But I will take my allergies being much worse if it means that, um, that we have more water that we can use and we're not going to have to cut back as much and that we're in still a drought but less of a drought. Yes. Um.
0: Yes, the, the, it's all, we've always been in a drought here in we've Arizona. We've always been
1: in a drought, but I always say, at what point is that just...
0: A normal thing. <laughs> that's
1: just the environment that we live in. It's not a drought if there's no change. Because to me, there were times we had droughts growing up, um, but that it was because it was in Florida and it rained so often, it was like abnormal. that Like a drought was like a weird thing and it didn't usually last that long. And I know that's a very different environment than when we live here in Arizona, but it's like... It doesn't seem like the droughts are all that abnormal here. That's just, I think that's just the desert.
0: It is. Um, another thing we talked about is mining. This was actually one of my favorite topics to research because mm-hmm. uh, we didn't know, I, I certainly didn't know, that Arizona had 100,000 abandoned mines.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that either until we did that episode. And
0: I, for, you know, the different types of mining practices and how much water they use, you um, As someone reported in 2015, more than 400 megagallons of water was used around the world Mm -hmm. when it came to mining operations. And, you know, there's just so many different types of mining that, and sometimes these corporations don't leave, uh, they don't populate the area back with soil. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of, like, deforestation happens. Yes. And there's still, we just wanted to shed light and remind you, there's still several major mining battles still going on. Earlier this year, a U.S. district court allowed a mining group to be part of a lawsuit against an organization of indigenous groups, Mm. them coming in again, um, for a future mine being built near the Tonto National Forest. Now, if you don't know, that's about 60 miles east of Phoenix. Yes. Um, So they're kind of suing each other over whether to allow this mine. Um, One mine, another mining battle that's been going on, has temporarily been stopped um, earlier this year month actually, or in November, Arizona Attorney General Chris Mays filed an injunction, which mm-hmm. is like, stop everything, let's think about this. Uh, earlier this year I had a proposed mine in Chino Valley, yes. which is a town in Arizona too. That made the round. So there's still talk about mines. There's still the 100,000 abandoned mines as a problem. And some people are suing each other when it comes to being able to farm what's in our national earth. But other times, as we talked about with Chris Mays, injunctions are being filed, people are being asked to stop their mining, which I think is a good sign of progress. I
1: I agree and I think that especially with these you know, the one by the the Tonto National Forest and stuff where these um, native tribes are are really pushing back against it and things like that. I think it's important to remember that like a lot of these lands are sacred to them and they've been here for much longer than I have, as you know, or you have, you know, um, or anyone has unless that person is obviously native and stuff like that. And I just... The, it's a national forest like it's already a protected area which i am always all for more national forests national parks state parks all that stuff um so i'm like why are we why are we trying to mine there why are we trying to do that you Well, know,
0: i guess that's the only untapped place where you can get stuff
1: <laughs> probably because it was protected decades ago and now they're like mm, we should uh undo that
0: <laughs> just for a little bit and then we'll, we'll once we take it and then we can uh put stuff in not to be uh not to be uh cynical about it all because yeah. there is some good stuff happening like chris may's stepping in and yes. at least maybe not putting a stop to it but thinking about it let's, let's at least see. look at what's happening of
1: course
0: uh let's turn to the amazon rainforest this so, is something that we a different talked about climate
1: than here in arizona
0: but i didn't know this i guess like i it was underreported they're facing yeah. a big drought right now
1: oh interesting facing... a rainforest in a drought see that sounds more abnormal than a desert being in a drought
0: <laughs> and it's affecting a lot of food mm-hmm. um as many as 10 million metric tons of soybean oh, could be affected for next year. And right now,
1: this is super interesting because we we are both vegetarians, of course, and we yes. talk a lot about how tofu. The, you know, is a big how, protein. Yeah, how meat can negatively impact the environment, but now it looks like they're coming from soybeans too. You know, so yeah. it's it's another example of like I mentioned earlier where no human can be perfect. It's like well, meat's not good for the environment, but now soybeans are also not good. Yeah, and maybe even
0: if not bad for the environment, but the, the fact they're that they're they can't farmed, be made.
1: They're not being farmed sustainably. They're not. Um, true. Not all soybeans certainly are bad for the environment. And maybe this is one of those things like um, you'll see like fair trade certified and things like that on like, you'll see it on coffee beans, you'll see it on agave, which we talked about, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I wonder if that's something that you can check for with soybeans or if there could potentially be a way to find out if they're coming from the rainforest or if they're coming from somewhere else
0: exactly and this drought could last a while like mm-hmm. climatologists meteorologists are saying maybe till 2026
1: i can't remember the exact percentage but i know that a large percent of earth's oxygen comes from the amazon rainforest specifically oh, yeah. because trees. of how densely populated the trees are And so clearly a drought um it's going to be felt in uh, much larger effects than just people that live in and around the amazon rainforest it's it'll be a much wider effect if stuff keeps happening there.
0: And what's hard is this is not all human-related. This is Mm -hmm. something that is just naturally happening. There's a really strong El Nino system moving in on top of drought conditions, which could make it even harder to recover. But there is hope. Uh, The Brazilian president, his name is Luiz Inacio Lula de Silva. Inacio. Inacio. Um, He was at the COP28 to ask for help to bring attention to this. Of course. And as we discussed earlier, maybe not a lot gets done, Mm -hmm. but even the education of Mm -hmm. it all is really good. Um, A quick aside here, I've never seen this much coverage on a COP28, or not just a general climate conference because – Intergreen Us, we've been lucky enough to cover COP26, mm-hmm. COP27. Mm-hmm. Never really saw anything. It was always hard to find something to it talk was, about. It was. Um, but I was watching CNN just outside here, outside while we were waiting, and they're talking about COP28. Fox News was.
1: Fox News was talking about it. Interesting. Yeah. When Fox and CNN are both talking about the same thing, you know <laughs> that it's a big story. It's a big story, and, of And course. Biden's not there. Yes. So
0: it's even that much more showing people really take this seriously.
1: Yes. Another thing that we've talked about here on The Greenhouse is ozone, and so we talk about it in a few different ways. Um, So ozone can be, of course, up in the sky, it can be in the atmosphere.
0: Which is better.
1: Which is where we want it. It can also be in the ground.
0: Which is not as good. Because you inhale stuff.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, But I think most people are pretty familiar with what the ozone does. It helps to protect us from harmful UV rays, and it helps to um, block some of the sun both from burning our skin, but also from warming the earth and making our temperatures rise. Um, and so there have been some holes in the ozone and they've been depleting, but we've seen those holes in recent decades go down. It was, I think it was peak bad, like in the 80s or 90s. Yes, um, and, and then they people... passed
0: a law, I mm-hmm. think, that slowed that down a little bit. Yes,
1: so in the past, like at least two decades, we've seen the hole in the ozones get smaller.
0: And along with ozone pollution comes what we call particle pollution, particulate matter in the mm-hmm. air. Uh, that's very similar to ground level ozone, the ozone that we see like yes. on our roadways and at least something that we can ingest here. Um, looking locally in Maricopa County, ozone pollution is looking good. Um, if you graph it on le- if you put it on a graph, mm-hmm. the trend line is actually lower than it's been since the 2010s. Wow. Uh, right now, it's p- uh, 9.8 ppm, which is particles per million. Okay. So there's about nine detected. Uh, at its peak in 2005, um, it was twelve point six ppm, okay. which I think particles per million is a very small amount. But having a big decrease on that average, mm-hmm. things are looking good. Definitely. So I think I think it has a lot to do with like the role of EV cars in Phoenix mm. and throughout Arizona. I I I recently did um I'm doing a project right now, so nice. I, that's why I know these numbers. Um, there's sixty five thousand electric cars roughly okay. in Arizona. Um, California has sixty nine thousand, so that's how you okay. like kind of and compare it. You
1: also have to think that they have a larger population than us. So it'd be interesting to see what those numbers are like actually per like capita. per capita. Exactly. Um but speaking of other things here in Arizona, solar panels are growing in popularity. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is like one of, if not the state that they're gonna work the best in.
0: Cause given the given <laughs> our love of the get. sun. Yeah. Uh there's so many different types of solar power. We've talked about Tesla Roofs, which is the Literally, the whole roof is a solar panel. Oh wow! Um, it actually looks pretty cool. Very, very sleek. Yes.
1: Um, and then
0: you have your regular type of solar panels where it's tilted at an angle. Mhm. Um, That's what we have on my on house in Florida. And, and and it works. It um, does, yeah. Solar electricity, solar generation plays a really plays a role a growing role in Arizona's uh, electrical grid. Right now, probably mm-hmm. about eight percent of the state's power.
1: Nice. Um, and so that's close to uh, 2.3 million homes that are being supplied with solar power, though. So when you look at it in percents, you know, eight might sound small. But then when you think about how many homes that's actually powering, that's actually like a, a good a good chunk. Of course, we'd always love to see it be higher. But that's a vast improvement on to what it used to be.
0: Exactly. And what we're also seeing is we're seeing residential growth. But mm-hmm. we're also seeing growth in terms of commercial solar, which is good because it's naturally occurring renewable energy at a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a lot of pe- places with solar commercial solar plants mm-hmm. and in the top 10 the US has quite a few one of them is in Arizona in Yuma County. It's called the Agua Caliente Solar Project. It opened recently in 2014 and it, has, it generates about 290 megawatts of power annually.
1: I also enjoy that it is called the Hot Water Solar Print. Because if there you, is no water in if solar. You translate <laughs> it from Spanish. Um, that's just interesting, fun little. Yeah. I guess I did learn something in my 15 years of Spanish.
0: <laughs> that's great. As you're about to graduate in a week.
1: Um. So we talked about lawns. Um, and your grass and how watering grass is not very good for the environment. We talked about a few different um, alternatives, though, because we understand that people, they like the green grass, they like a lawn. Um, There's a very large um, percentage of Americans that say that that is a very important aspect of their dream home and stuff like that. Um, So right now, there are lots of things that you can do. You can look into doing research on um, local plants and local uh, breeds of grass yeah. that are uh of course native to where you are living where you are going to be buying your home
0: it can teach you a lot about education it can also yes. be like a good talking point when people come to your house you'll be like what type of is that and like well thank you for asking let well, me tell you, for you asking. about
1: it <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> um but if that's not a realistic option you can if you water it less and allow a little bit of brown not too much you don't have. To, I'm not saying you don't that have your grass yellow die, completely. Yeah, but if you allow it to have a bit more of a natural cycle, that can still be very beneficial. You also can look into synthetic turf, but I know a lot of people don't like that. Yeah. One of the best options is if you let your br- grass get brown, you can paint it.
0: Yes, I and think that's a great idea. Yes, we think
1: <laughs> it's a fantastic idea. So it is called turf paint or turf colorant, and it is not actual paint, so you are not going to be breathing in chemicals. It won't wipe off on your clothes. It's it's a really great alternative that actually a lot of um, like sports fields will use yes. and stuff to make their grass look really, really bright, vibrant green. But you don't have to be watering it constantly to maintain that color.
0: Exactly. That's good. And I don't know if you said... I know you said it won't get on on your chemicals or your mm-hmm. clothes. It won't. Yeah. As long as it doesn't run off in any way. That's yes. just something to be careful about. Yes. Um, and it, you know...
1: But real grass can also stain your clothes.
0: Yes. But like uh, like the paint going oh, into yes. the water supply. Yes. Um, um,
1: I... This is just like bullet points from the episode. Um, yeah. But uh, what I typed in what from that remember. episode yeah. from that old script when I was looking at it um it's not like a really synthetic chemical like so if you're worrying about like fumes like from paint it's not like an actual paint yeah if that makes sense it's not like okay cans okay. of spray paint where you can't breathe it or like in. You're, it,
0: you're bringing like tubs and yeah like, no it gallon is size not, things. it's
1: not like that
0: yeah um, um it's it, it looks good and as I have synthetic turf in my um mm-hmm. home or at least synthetic grass it's fun to lay in it has nice. a weird texture to it certainly a weird texture but um you don't have to maintain it you don't have to feel guilty about mm-hmm. using water yeah um because it, t- it takes a lot of water as you said we have grass mm-hmm. right outside of this our school here at, mm-hmm. in downtown phoenix we do. and they water during the day um they and do. They, it's like i'll go to a class and it's sprinkling and then i'll walk back to class and it's still sprinkling uh, mm-hmm. so it's a, it's it's a thing and it Partially it's on them, but partially it's also on grass needs a lot of water.
1: I'll say uh, my boyfriend took me up to Fountain Hills to look at the fountain. I guess the, the fountain that's in the hills, the yeah. reason that it's called that. Um, and he took <laughs> me to a very nice dinner and it was very sweet. And we walked around the lake and all of the sprinklers were watering so much to the point where the sidewalks were like flooded. We couldn't oh. walk in certain parts of it. And I was what like, a waste. My, I, it was such a nice walk, but I will say in the back of my head, I was like, why are they doing this why is there so much water and then i go to we went to the bathroom and there was like a sign by the bathroom that was like what fountain hills is doing for water conservation and i was like hmm you
0: just undid all the things you (laughs) said you were doing
1: i know um it was just you know something to think about and in other states and other places where it rains more and where there are more grasses that are native lawns are not a problem it's just a problem to try to maintain a non-native grass that requires a lot of water in the desert.
0: Exactly. And as we stick on uh, this idea of um, being like how to be a better person, um, we wanted to talk about going to the beach and how to, to, you know, be proper at the beach. This is
1: a topic I feel very passionate about. So everyone loves the beach and I I love it very much. I'm never going to tell you not to go to the beach. Um, But one thing that you can do, um, a small change you can make, is making sure that your sunscreen is reef safe or non-toxic. So something that can happen is sunscreen that has too many chemicals in it, you go off, it rubs off in the water, it can be really bad and it can actually really um, affect and increase reef bleaching or coral bleaching. Um, which is not something we want to happen luckily there are a lot of alternatives and even a lot of big-name brands that have recently switched um, To being reef safe, so I want you to protect your skin But I also want you to protect the beach and the ocean and the coral reefs um, It is also better for your skin to not have all those chemicals mm-hmm. the, chem- the same chemicals that are hurting animals They're hurting you. They're not good for you um, So Sunbomb has always been my favorite ba- brand of sunscreen. They have been reef safe the entire the entire time they've been making their sunscreen but i i did recently notice a few other sunscreen like bigger names i I believe one was banana boat um at least and it might not be every product they make but at least the bottle that i was using i looked at the back and it was reef safe so that is something i care a lot about
0: exactly and now we talked about our climate solutions we talked about how people have been how Mm -hmm. to be better people yes um but we did we had a lot of we were a little goofy sometimes on the greenhouse. We were. And we talked about some fun we stories. We didn't always
1: talk about government meetings. We
0: didn't, not always. We
1: talked about Celine Beyond and when we learned yes. about the honeybees and how important bees are to our environment. And we learned a little bit about the way that they actually function in the hive. Um, you can find... Celine Beyond on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> That's where I um, found
0: her. We talked about cryptocurrency. That was our <laughs> lowest performing episode, by the way. So oopsies that there. Was also there probably, wasn't much interest. <laughs> that
1: was probably the episode I understood the least. Yes. I feel like you were there explaining were... crypto to me and I was like, hmm, okay. Well, I,
0: well I, I hate to admit it. I didn't understand it too much either. <laughs> I tried. It was it was certainly fun to research. This show taught me a lot of research skills. Yes. Uh, and one thing that we researched was uh, cell-based meat. Yes. Uh, it's this scientific engineered piece of food. Yes. Um, according to quote, here's a quote, because we, we think it was better explained through a quote. Mm-hmm. Cell culture technology does not reproduce the animal itself, but produces a product that is intended to resemble traditional meat from an animal, such as a steak, minced meat, etc. So you didn't kill anything. Um, no. So if you like the taste but don't want the so guilt, this could, is for you. They
1: could collect cells from living animals. This was my thing. They collect the cells from living animals and somehow they could manipulate the cells to grow basically muscle tissue and and fat and stuff like that. And then, like I said, it's like growing a little steak in a Petri dish, Yeah. essentially. Um, Some countries didn't like it, if I remember correctly, Italy banned it. Yes, Um, (laughs) yes. But, and I am not saying that this is something you are gonna go to a restaurant and order tomorrow, but it is very interesting new science that I think has potential. More than
0: sixty different countries and companies are trying this. Are
1: trying it, yes. I um, think it is in such early stages. I think realistically, it'll be several years before this is available to the public. But I think it's an interesting direction, especially if soybeans, which is what most of the fake meat currently is made out of, yeah. especially if that's not if that's killing the rainforest, then maybe this is something else that we could try. I don't know. I think I thought it was interesting. Um, certainly not something I ever would have thought of, but I. I am not a woman in STEM. So <laughs> neither.
0: I'm not a man in STEM. And uh it, it that was probably one of the best stories. I, I think um one of my favorite stories as we wrap up here, my favorite memory on the greenhouse mm-hmm. was when we talked about car honking <laughs> and the <laughs> that noise was a good one. the amount of noise that it generated was probably my favorite story. Do you have a favorite story as um, we wrap up here?
1: I I always loved anytime i got to talk about florida and i think that has been a recurring theme for two years on this show and of course that has to do with the fact that i volunteered at a nature center there and a lot of the environmentalism that i learned um was from people living and working in florida um, but one of my favorites was when we talked about shrimp fishing
0: yes we did a lot of ocean stuff
1: we did i'm very passionate about the ocean but also 71 of this planet is covered in oceans and water and um, one of the biggest factors in climate change, one of the biggest regulators of the temperature of this planet, is the ocean. When you hurt the oceans, you hurt the whole planet. So that is why that is a topic that came up a lot, not just because I am from Florida. <laughs> the Oceans are important, even if you live much farther inland. Um, but, yeah, we also talked about whales. I think we talked about... Um, a few other ocean species on here, protecting the ocean with the sunscreen stuff. So anytime I got to talk about that, I was, I was really passionate about it.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been an end of a amazing journey. Yes. For the last time on The Greenhouse, I'm Pratham Vlal.
1: And I'm Anna Snow. And thank you so much for tuning in for these past two years and listening to all things Planet Earth.
0: Have a nice night. Goodbye, everyone.